Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. This is episode 32. 32. 32 on this beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, we had some crazy storms last night. It was a little nuts around here. It was weird. It was like... it. We joked that it, it seemed like it was somebody standing on top of our roof with a hose and trying to mimic heavy downpour. Yeah. <laughs> but it was real. It was just like slapping against the house. And I was driving home and I just saw this ridiculous like flash of lightning with no thunder or anything, no rain clouds really even in the sky, just this huge bright strike lightning, just boom. <laughs> uh, but that was pretty cool. It was pretty neat. I have to admit. Um. But yeah, so episode thirty-two, we're just gonna go right into it mm-hmm. today because we got some we got some doozies. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes when we do this podcast, all we ever really talk about are lawsuits. Yeah, <laughs> but we got we got some to talk about today, two two in fact. Uh, but the uh, the first thing we want to talk about a little bit closer to home is that recently a sealed copy of what many would call the holy grail of Nintendo games, because mm-hmm. it's just the hardest one to find, it's I the suppose. most rare is stadium events mm-hmm. a sealed complete inbox copy sold recently for f- just shy of forty two thousand dollars forty one nine seven seven what an interesting number like I because don't know it wasn't where an eBay auction in. it wasn't a bid out it was like a private seller so forty one nine seventy seven like what is how do you come to that number how does someone not just go forty two k oh I think I know because they in- they didn't include the cost of shipping it like certified. So. Oh jeez, I would buy a plane ticket and hand deliver this. Sort of thing. <laughs> Although then you got to take it through the then you got to take it yeah, through the airport. So exactly. That's not good either. Well, um, oh see, I thought it was through an a- eBay auction, but um, but yes, it was a private deal. And the reason why it's the holy grail of Nintendo Entertainment System games is because it was only on the shelves for the briefest window of time. Because Nintendo actually pulled it and replaced it with world-class track meet. Because it was done by Bandai. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting story of Nintendo lore. So, um, Bandai had made this game with the power pad. And it was like a track and field. It was a, it was a running game and it used an, a peripheral that was the power pad, which later mm-hmm. would become the power pad. So Nintendo said, wow, that's an amazing idea. We want to mm-hmm. buy this from you. So they actually bought the rights to the game. They bought the rights to the power pad. They started bundling it with their Nintendos and they rebranded the game from stadium events to world-class track meet. Yes. So it was a game that was out for very little time, only had like one initial shipment. And then Nintendo, since they bought it out, they never made any more. And it's incredibly impossible to find like i don't even know how many copies exist but if i had to guess i'm gonna say total made were under 500 maybe sure. in the u.s uh it might be closer to 2000 but if that were true you'd see it more common than you do now and, and i don't so i if i had to guess i would say somewhere around 500 and who knows how many copies survived well especially today. a sealed copy and then a brand new still sealed copy now it's one of the highest confirmed prices a single game has ever sold for and i would think with almost $42,000 at stake, how do you prove that that game's actually in there? Now, I know that they say it's factory sealed, but as we know, you know, it's just a matter of getting that that seam <laughs> correct. Right. You so know what I mean? I would be incredibly nervous about buying a sealed copy of this, 
But I will say that uh, they did send it to Video Game Authority, which is VGA. They grade sealed games. Mm -hmm. That's like what their whole business is. And it did receive a grade of 85 plus out of a possible 100, which I believe is a silver, which is very, very good condition. That's that's very hard to beat. Because, you, well, it's a sealed copy. How did it not get like 100? Well, sometimes, well, 100 is <laughs> pretty much impossible because I think to get above a 90, it has to never have been in circulation. So like, Oh, so to it get couldn't a, have been on the shelf. It came right off the line. Right. For 95 to 100, it has to literally come off the press and then go right into their hands okay in a safe somewhere. right right uh so and if you look at this one i mean in the corners you can see a little bit like very little but you can see some just like rounded corners so those are the little things that are going to keep it from like a 90 gold to an 85 silver but an 85 is still a really but really great score how do they know the game's in there well a lot of people are clamoring that they should have an x-ray done on it i uh, yeah but i would say that uh, there was probably some sort of proof that the seller provided the buyer. Uh -huh. I mean, if whoever's paying $40,000 for this thing, it's not some scammer trying to get $40,000 out of a guy well, who's no, too rich. No, and I'm rich. not saying that, but I yeah. mean, you can, you could have, if you had the the knowledge. Now, I'm not saying that somebody would do this, but it's well within the realm of possibility that somebody could have taken a regular Nintendo game, had the box, re-shrinked it, and sold it. So even if you x-rayed it, it's it's like Schrodinger's cat. Sure. Where the cat sure. is either alive or dead, but you will never but it, it it is both until you open the box and see if it's one or the other. So it exists on both planes. It could be stadium events or it couldn't be stadium events. Well, I think the only reason it wouldn't be stadium events though is if there was an error at the factory, which honestly <laughs> might make it more rare. Oh my God. Like, like if there was somehow that some incorrect game got put into this box, like that I think would, if you could even tell that, I don't think an x-ray machine would be able to get no, through the box and see they the wouldn't. label, right? You don't no. be able to see that. So there'd be no way to tell that unless you opened but it. But that's, that's why I'm like, even if you right. were to x-ray it, it still wouldn't prove anything. It's becomes Schrodinger's stadium events. <laughs> but I wonder how much or how many points Video Game Authority would take off if somebody slid open the shrink wrap and opened it up to see what game was in there? Uh, the, the value would plummet massively. Really? Yeah, like like a sealed copy going for 40000 a complete in-box copy is probably worth fifteen to 20000 Yeah, actually, according to this article, it says a loose cartridge can sell for nearly 10000 mm -hmm. and a copy with its original box and manual for well north of 20000 But this copy is the only one that are, one of the few that are still shrink-wrapped. Right. Well, I heard an interesting story about this a long time ago that somebody has multiple boxes of packs of sealed copies of this game. So like he, he worked at a store or he <laughs> like ran they had a, store. a couple in a back and yeah, like, like he had a sealed box of, cause they came in packs of six. So he had like two sealed boxes oh of six God. of these. And he put like six on the shelf. Well, yeah, I, I don't know like how he ended up keeping them all and not selling them. <laughs> but a game like this honestly probably wasn't going to sell very well in the no. beginning. Which it took some serious foresight if that's what it was and not just dumb luck of losing a box in the back well, for 20 years. No, I mean but, he probably got the notification that they were pulling all the copies, copies and he's like, well, I still got six of them out in the back. Well, I'll just keep them. Yeah, I'll just keep them. Well, and, so, and, and how do you know how long to wait to sell? Because these things were worth... Ten to fifteen thousand dollars new mm -hmm. six years ago. So how do you wait that other six years to have it quintuple, you know, well, quadruple mean, in value? It, and is this guy even thinking about 
it, the guy that has the six of them is he th- even thinking about selling well that's them. what's interesting about the story of him is i've heard that he does not sell them online and he also will not disclose the amount they were sold for because he doesn't want to control the market on the mm-hmm. price he wants them to go to people who will pay what he thinks they're worth but he doesn't want to like push the price up himself which i guess i find kind of respectable i it just seems a little weird to me. Like, just tell people that you sold it for 50 and then the next one you sell, you could sell it for 75 I mean, you can set the price. You have them. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's a it's a, it's a a buyer's market, essentially, right now. That brings up or a seller's very market, excuse me. interesting point, though, going back to the video game authority. If they were never even put on the shelf, does that give them a higher value? Because they were still in their original shipping box. I would assume if he took the original shipping box there mm-hmm. with the six copies, he could probably have them grade that. Yeah. I don't know. They've got some weird rules because they only grade new things. They're very specific in what they do. I've actually thought about this. I've thought about opening my own like video game grading site where people could send me games and I would grade them. But I would do that. I would do used copies too. Okay. I actually probably wouldn't do new ones because... I, you know, let VGA kind of handle new ones and I would do used ones, maybe partner with them. Because I think that'd be kind of neat for you to send your used game in and have me send it back with a certain like like a card of authenticity kind of label with a little package it comes in everything. So I could help you with that. Yeah, exactly. I could yes, make you, you a could. seal. We could get gold seals for days, mm-hmm. son. See, now we're talking. You get a little like, like hard plastic uh, clamshell so that yeah. you can like put the game in it. That's still openable though. Mm-hmm. So that way they, it's a used game so they can still play it, but you keep it in there. Love it. And then you have a little seal over it that says this was great yeah, like, for this number. Well, who, who's the company that does the um, the comic book grading? Uh, oh, I should know that because I know Dave would kill me if he Ooh. knew I didn't know. Here, cue but, the Jeopardy music. But yeah, uh, let's see here. While you're thinking, I'm gonna Google it so uh, I look you can smart. Just, you can just Google it because I I don't know. I'm not I'm not I've never had a comic book graded before. I probably should. I have some good ones I should have <laughs> graded, but um, CBCS. No, that's no. that's comic book something something. CGC Comics. C- CGC sounds right. That looks right. CGC yeah, graded. because they encapsulate. So receiving, grading, encapsulating, mm. and shipping. Dom had his first appearance as Spider-Man graded. He's got an amazing Fantasy 15. Peter does too. Uh, um, Jess got it for him for birthday, anniversary, something. Really? Yeah, and it's incredible because Dom's is what Dom's condition, I believe, came out of 2 out of 10, which means it's like pages are missing, it's cover starting to rip off, still worth 10 grand. I, I'm not sure what his was graded at. It wasn't... As high as it could have been because there was uh, significant damage to the back cover. Mm-hmm. But the front cover looks all right. Nice. But yeah, it's in the whole. It's all graded yeah, and everything. That's absolutely incredible to me. Uh, but yeah, so Stadium Events is just really known as one of those, like I said, the holy grail of Nintendo collecting. Someone was in the store the other day and said that he has a complete NES collection minus Stadium Events. He's, oh. like, he's like, I just don't think I'll ever. Or no, no, he... Um, he doesn't have stadium events, and he didn't have the world class world, track meet. The, the um no, the competition carts. The uh, the oh my goodness, I'm totally oh, spacing out right now. Um, this is stump Greg day. No, I just I guess it's too <laughs> early to be doing this. Um, it's the uh, oh my god, the world, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the gold and silver competition cartridges that they did. Um, and so. He he didn't have those, but he, now that I think of it, he said he. It was the only thing he said he didn't have, was the gold. 
um, Nintendo cartridge. So if he if that means he has stadium events, that'd was be it really Nintendo World Championships? Thank you, because I kept getting hung up because we've been talking about World Class Track. Ah, meet, so I mm-hmm. kept wanting to say World Class Track, World Class Championship or mm-hmm. something. So no, whatever. Nintendo World Championship. Yeah, the World Championship cards. Yep. In the video game competition. Series. So and I said that that didn't really matter in my opinion because that was never sold retail. Because those those were only given to winners of the competitions oh, they were a part of. Sure. But Stadium Events was a legitimately released retail game. So if you want to claim you have a complete library, you better have Stadium Events in it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I So this might go to a bigger question, not to spend too much time on it, but what kind of limit do you have on the things you love and the things you love to collect as far as price? Now, clearly, some, if somebody spent $42,000 on this, he has money to spend. Yes. No one mortgages the house. Well, I should mm-hmm. say well. no one should mortgage the house to be able to get this game. I don't know. Maybe it was someone who's rich, you know, or he makes, uh, you know, 500000 a year, so this isn't a big deal to him. Mm-hmm. It'd be like me spending a couple thousand dollars on something where I can do it. I just don't want to. <laughs> uh so i don't know I, I look at something like that and i guess it all depends on your means if you have the means to buy it no price is ridiculous because i know now as i'm trying to finish my collection of mint and box nes games i'm willing to pay even extra to get them in the condition i want them in because it's sure. just hard to find them in that condition if this is the first one that popped up new in however many years how long do you have to wait for the next one so right. people get a little impatient now originally it was put on ebay and the winning bidder didn't pay. Now, a lot of times Aww. that happens, though, because the winning bidder is more of a joke. Like, they see it going on there, and there's just a bunch of people just pushing it higher just to be funny. See, that's just rude. It, it is. And it's really annoying whenever people have kind of rare, like, really, really expensive rare stuff as people will bid on it as a joke and kind of push it to stupid prices. I, and, you know, I don't – I'm not as familiar with eBay rules or anything like that. So, for me, it's just – Really? I mean, why would you do that? I don't it's it's like some people like to watch the world burn. We talk about like people who do the swatting thing and they and the people who are harassing, you know, we did a story a couple weeks ago on streamers. They give them a big tip and the yeah. streamers like, "Oh, thanks." And then a day later they take their money back. Oh, so that's they got so the, rude. Yeah, they got credit for being cool for one day mm-hmm. and now they're back to being, you know, not cool again. What a downer. So yeah, uh, if anybody's interested, the value of a sealed stadium events just currently got set at $42,000. So what would you do if somebody came in with one of those at the store? Like a sealed one? Yep. Um, it doesn't even have to be a sealed one. Let's just say they have a loose cartridge. What? Uh, okay. So a loose <laughs> cartridge is worth about 10,000. Yup. I would try to buy it from them. Uh-huh. Uh, and I would try to, I guess realistically I'd probably offer eight. Okay, that's eight, that's, eight, mm. eight, eight to eighty five hundred. Maybe let him pull me up to nine as an absolute last resort, but that's you know that's hefty because that's also something if I make a mistake on that's a very expensive mistake in yes. case maybe it's a really good reproduction or uh-huh. something, right? Uh, so that's what I would try to do. But say someone brought in a sealed one, what I would try to do is I would offer to sell it, uh, commission based. Uh, I would offer to broker the sale. Oh, so it'd be too tough for me to try to pay like. I probably could if I had to, like, go to the bank, figure something out to pull in the $35,000 I would pay for it. Mm -hmm. So I could probably work that out. I don't really like to even think about that because that would be really difficult, but I would try to work that out. And if I did, uh, I could resell it, but how long would that take? Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't be able to sell it locally most likely. I'd have to put it online. Yeah. Maybe put it on eBay just to see if people would buy it. And if they don't, maybe someone would message you privately and say, hey, I'm a private buyer. I'd like to buy it. Um, 
But what I'd try to do in most cases, if I couldn't come to an, a good deal with the person trying to sell it to me, I would offer to broker that for a percentage mm-hmm. of the sale. I just, so I would say for, hey, for 5%, I'll find you a buyer and I'll hook you guys up. I just, like, I just think about $42,000 for a video game. That's somebody who has a decent job. They're full time. Like that's a that's a sal- mm-hmm. that's a year's salary. And you don't know it could have been a it could have been a sports player. You know, it could have been a, like a, like a football. It could have been a, a sports star, or it could have been, you know, it could have been someone in the video game industry. Like maybe uh-huh. one of the guys who originally founded Bioware who retired and he's got millions from selling that out. Like you never know. That's you never crazy. know who's looking for I, it. I just wonder about that. I wonder who drops that kind of cash. You know who it also could have been. Hmm. It could have been like a curator, maybe of a museum or something. Like like they want to be like the video game authority museum oh, or true. something, and mm-hmm. and so they want to have one of everything or something like that. So was yeah. it you? you never know. <laughs> it was not me. <laughs> I actually like I love track meet. Actually, I had a power pad growing up, but I, I've got my Nintendo power pad behind me yes. here. In the box that I paid $120 for. And I'm more happy about that than paying $40,000 for a copy of the game I technically have no attachment to. But yeah, so that that's it, everybody. If you want to if you wanna know the most rare NES game officially, retail release rare. Mm-hmm. Still factory sealed, $42,000 it sold for. So we talked about eBay and how they put that game on eBay and then the highest bidder didn't, didn't pay. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got another story about people not getting their money yes, yes. which uh takes actually play it actually takes place back in october of 2016 when the counter-strike global offensive world championships took place and for those of you that follow this type of gaming championship you will know that team argentina placed second and won twenty thousand dollars it, what's what's just real quick to, to interject here too counter-strike go is getting so big that even tbs late at night is is showing live <laughs> like i was watching this a couple months ago and i'm not big on watching weird game, but it was on, like like counter-strike gets national exposure and they got like live tv coverage well i don't know if it was live but they got they got like legitimate tv coverage from a legitimate station that's crazy so to me it, it's it is very crazy but so the point of that though is it's becoming a big thing mm-hmm. it's not just something that is played locally in basements and streamed over the internet it is, but it also is picking up a decent amount of, um, of, of like traction mm-hmm. in in regular like everyday old people media like TV. Old people media, <laughs> yikes! Those We're gonna dern, get some unsubs from those that. Dern kids and their dern internet. <laughs> but here's the thing. Months later, so we're talking October 2016. It's coming up. It's like what eight months ago. They still haven't been paid. And in fact, other teams who competed and won prizes haven't been paid either. Yeah. So when you have a big event like this, it's the world championship. So this is the largest stand. This is the largest competition you offer. And these people still haven't been paid. Yes. So Team Denmark, who shared the third, fourth place, is still waiting on their prize money. And... It's just ridiculous. There was a $100,000 prize pool, and half of the pool was for first place, 20 for second place, 10 for third and four, and 2500 for fifth through eighth place. So that's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are not getting paid. Well, and it looks like they're trying to pass the buck a little bit because the people who organized the tournament said that there was another company. So the company that organized it's called Efrag. Mm-hmm. And they they tried to explain everything, saying that there was a sponsor 
for the tournament, which is a live streaming esports site called Azubu, which I've never heard of actually. They they were founded in 2011, around the same time that Justin TV turned into Swit, uh, Twitch, because mm-hmm. Justin TV was originally the, what Twitch was, and then really they, then they start well they started Twitch that. they started Twitch and then they kind of had like Justin TV was separate for like people streaming and Twitch was game streaming and then they just oh, kind of just became Twitch and then I didn't know Amazon that. bought them so those people are very happy and. Um, so so uh, they came out around the same time, but Azubu had never really gotten as high as Twitch as acclaim, uh, according to this article, uh, clearly since I've never heard of them. Right. Uh, and Azubu recently acquired another video streaming site called Hitbox, and they now conduct business under the name Smashcast.tv. So if you've never heard of it, Smashcasting is what they kind of call video game commentary. That's they not call it smash casting. what I thought it yeah. was when I heard it. Oh, no, excuse me. They call it shout casting. Excuse me. Shout casting. But then I don't know. Smash casting might be another way of saying, it. I don't know. Personally, I don't know why they don't just call it commentary, but that's fine. Whatever. Don't care. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, according to Efrag, the original organizer of the tournament, they were, uh, the winnings were signed contractually to be paid by Azubu immediately at the end of the event, but the sponsor has not yet paid. So the organizers of the tournament say, hey, we brought these guys on to, like, mm-hmm. the sponsor was supposed to pay, and they're not paying. So ah. we're sorry, but there's nothing we can do. But they are saying that if, uh, for some reason, they don't pay, Efrag will pay the pool through our own funds. Wow. But they didn't specify a timeline. So it is very good of them to take responsibility mm-hmm. for it. But I don't even know. I mean, Efrag organizes tournaments, so you'd assume that they have a good chunk of money. But the reason they're going out to get sponsors is because they don't want to spend their own money. Because well, they right. may not have that much. A lot of times people who run these tournaments and spon- like they find sponsors because they don't have the funds to pay it themselves. Well, exactly. It's like anything else where you want to have a a tournament or some type of competition and businesses want to be involved. Right. And it's so advertising they, for them. Right. It's yep. free, it, not free advertising, but it's advertising that they can get without really doing a lot of the work because... They get their name on things. They get their logo on T-shirts. They get, you know, Coca-Cola's halftime show, that sort of thing, without really doing anything except paying money. Yeah. Well, and it looks like Efrag is not the only organizer still waiting for money. Ooh. Around the same time, there was a, a Dota 2 game invitational, which had a smaller price pool of only 2000 bucks, but they still haven't paid that either. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to wonder, is it just like a corporate mistake where someone maybe set up this whole deal and then isn't with the company more and something got lost in transition or something happened? Or is it they don't have the money to pay it? And if they don't have the money to pay it, that's incredibly sad because they got all the free advertising. They got all the press. Right. Now they're getting more press, bad press, albeit, but right. press all the same. Uh, and they haven't had to pay a penny for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it just... If you're trying to make esports legitimate, which is what everyone's trying to do right now, because it could be the next big thing. A lot of younger people like to watch video games like this. It could be huge. It could be as big as the NFL one day. It realistically could be. But not if you have people getting stiffed right. on tournaments and then you turn people off it. And then it also shows other advertisers that it looks like, oh, people are complaining that you didn't pay out prizes. Well, uh-huh. that doesn't sh- look good for you. We don't want to do business with you. It, it, it's it's going to set all this stuff back years it makes it yeah. This. It and makes it less E-Frag's legitimate, l- less legitimate than it is. Right, because it's not like you know you've never had it where, and maybe they did you know fifty you know forty years ago, fifty years ago, but you don't have someone come up going, man, never got that Super Bowl ring I was promised. Right, you know we won the Super Bowl and and uh, no one got their rings. <laughs> like that does not happen. No, it does not happen. That's a really good analogy. I, I mean, if you want, 
esports to be legitimate or taken seriously. You can't have businesses flaking out on their responsibility. It it just shouldn't happen. Well, and, and part of the issue is that uh, Azubu recently bought this company called Hitbox for millions of dollars. Ooh. So the eFrag e- is like, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, legitimately, you just paid millions of dollars for a company. You can't give us 50000 bucks. I know. Like, like, that just seems like that should be debt debt on the board um and there was this really interesting la times article about uncommon financing method and it was about one of azubu's key investors and his history with failed companies personal bankruptcy and a guilty plea to charges in 2009 that he embezzled money from one of his firms oh geez so it almost sounds like he's doing these startups getting a bunch of investments making a play to get some money and then getting the heck out it's so it sounds kind of bad that's a little fishy yeah it sounds really bad and so uh, it looked like in on July 7th, there was a report that London's high court issued a worldwide freeze on that investor's assets due to an alleged <laughs> $68.3 million in reneged deals. Oh, my so God. So that means promised $69 million, had it outstanding, and then never paid on it. Uh, see, when asked okay. for a comment, he denied the report, saying no assets have been frozen and the case you're referring to has been settled a while ago. I just, I just don't understand how anybody... It's like... Back in early 2000s when Bernie Madoff had that Ponzi scheme and a bunch of people lost their life savings, like Kevin Bacon and other celebrities. And I just don't understand how somebody thinks that this is legit business. I mean, obviously they know it's not because they're they're breaking the law and they know it. And so they try to cover it up. Mm -hmm. But. I just don't understand why you would get into business if you don't really like being in business. Well, some people like money more than they like being in business. And and they've just found ways to get around that. They found loopholes. And like, if you get other people to pay for money, like, you know, I watch a lot of Shark Tank. Yes. And some of the people that go on there, they have an idea, but they don't want to do the work to see the idea through. They just want to sell the idea. Ah. And they're looking for someone to just give them money and say, just give me money and then give me some future money on how successful this thing is. Mm-hmm. And I'm out of here. That's true. That's a really good point because people are just in it. I mean, it's the same reason why so many people get caught up in those pyramid schemes or those, you know, direct sales methods right. that people do where it's, oh, if I if I go into this business and you become a manager of all these people and they go out and they get yeah. their own people that they are part of their team and it just becomes this big pyramid scheme because you're just yeah. end up being recruiting as opposed you're selling a dream you're not selling a product well and and those it kind of harkens back to us for some reason as people like not everybody's this way but a lot of people just a lot of people want the easiest amount of money for the least amount of work possible mm-hmm. you know yeah like, I, I guess the way i've always been programmed was not that i wouldn't love easy money like i'd love to go buy a lottery ticket and win half a billion dollars you know i mean nice. that'd be great <laughs> but i also what i really care more about is fulfillment sure. and i care about that the work i'm doing is being recognized and i'm being compensated for what i feel is the level of work i do you know that's what we should be looking for you know not but but there's just kind of this and that's what pyramid schemes come in because people i think look at it and go well you know you have to do some work up front but then eventually i just sit back and let other people make me money and, and wouldn't that be great to just sit around and not have to do any work and make money I'm like well well, Is that's it? that's the direct know. sales methodology. You're selling a dream. Yeah. You sell the dream first, then you talk about the product. 
But I mean, I will I will admit there are some product lines that I actually like, but if I could buy them in the store, I would. I've never gone and, you know, become a consultant for anything. I haven't loved something so much that I felt the need to do that. But even the people that I know that have gotten into that sort of work, they do it for a couple years and then they don't get any farther than they were when they started. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is just, they have to pay fees sometimes every month. So they have to keep doing these sort of events in order to persist that, that you know, ability to do the consulting work. Mm-hmm. So it, it, to me, it's just, they sell this dream and this idea and then it, it doesn't ever seem to pan out. <laughs> well, and you know, I would never use my, my superpowers for evil. I only use my superpowers for good. But if I... <laughs> like started a pyramid scheme. Oh my God. I could probably convince like three or 400 people to do it. And I would be like, Hey, look at this. And then they'd all be trying to get convince people. They'd all get burned. And mm-hmm. I would just walk away with a buttload of money. Like you- I know I, I, I like I'd be really good at that because and not, and I wouldn't because I have like this kind of moral center that mm-hmm. I can't, like, I just feel like it's against. And I guess if anybody here does that, I'm sorry if I offend you. I just, I just feel like if you get people to buy into something you're selling just so that you can make more money and you're maybe just like, that's why I would never work commission sales. Oh, sure. I, I don't want my opinion being pushed off, which I guess technically I do. Cause everything I sell makes me money. But like, like I don't want to sell something to somebody just to sell it just so I can make my mark. Like if I was selling cars and I had to sell oh, yeah, five I could... cars by the end of the week, I could sell five cars. Be like, oh, this is the nicest car you got. This, oh man, okay, check out the handling on this thing. Mm-hmm. But what I'd rather do is find them the car they want. Well, and that's what makes you different from people who are salesmen. I mean, not that you're not a, not that what you were describing was salesman, but I'm talking about like purely commission-based sales where mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're getting what you want, you're you're selling it. I have always said that I would be a terrible salesman because I'm not concerned with numbers. I'm concerned about Mm -hmm. how people feel about what they're buying, which is why I've never gone into that multi-level marketing or direct sales because I haven't loved something so much that I feel like I could tell somebody they should buy it. I don't think I should. I have the authority to tell anybody that I can, that they should buy something. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And so here's another interesting detail. So uh, when asked about the prize winnings for the two tournaments, McGarvey, who's the current CEO, he said he's only been CEO for about 12 months. He was the CEO when these two tournaments wrapped up in October. But he told uh, the writer of this article, uh, which is the articles from Compete, which is like a Kotaku spinoff about just oh. esports in general. So it's a really cool like side thing they're doing. And he says... Uh, he told compete that the sponsorship deals for these events had been struck by the previous management team. I have not made one agreement since I arrived and the deals were very one-sided, which, which I'm not disagreeing with. I think that if, if a company sponsored it and they agreed to pay entire pot like that and Efrag didn't have to pay anything, it's not a very good deal. Yeah. But you have that deal. You got to honor that. I'm sorry. I I just feel like this is something that happens too often in business is they don't want to take accountability. Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand it. But but again, you just bought a company for multi-millions of dollars. How do you not have 50 grand to give to these guys? Um, and so then they talked to the guy who served as CEO before him, 
uh, during the time the deals were made. And he said, my executive team and I ran Azuba for three years, striving to set the goals delivered to us by investors. We met those objectives despite a constant and serious lack of funding. The deals that we signed at the time, we did in good faith, believing that we had significant investment from those investors. That turned out not to be true. Hence, the executive team decided to move on to other opportunities. Hmm. So now what that sounds like to me is they made a deal. They, they wrote a check that the butts <laughs> couldn't cash. <laughs> <laughs> and the stockholders didn't back them up or the investors didn't back them up to throw in that extra money. Right. And so that management team essentially, quote unquote, left. Oh. And I would say they most likely got removed because of making a bad deal. But it's totally amicable, right? Oh, totally. It was, you know, it was good for both parties. We're, we're looking forward to future opportunities, blah, blah, blah. We're still yeah. going to be friends. You know what? You got canned. You got canned. Yeah. We're, it's not you. It's me. It's me. <laughs> well, speaking of people who are not holding themselves accountable for their actions huh? maybe i don't well, think well and and so the current ceo says uh as as in regards to the unpaid tournament winnings he said there are a couple the counter strike go is certainly one of them that we've not yet been able to find a settlement on this is in a legal situation right now. Pretty much all the others we've been able to work with people or we're in the process. So they're trying to work out paying less money is what they're trying to do. So they're, they're trying to go back, which now to be fair, is not a bad move on their part to save money, even though it's a shady move. Because Efrag is going to have to come in and make sure because they're not going to go to the winners and say, hey, guys, we promise you 50 grand. We can only pay you 20. Is that cool? And I'd be like. No, no that's not because cool. Eventually, Efrag is going to get sued by those guys for what's remaining. Well, and you know, I'm not saying that this is the case, but that was the draw of the competition. It was the prize money. People don't enter into these esports competitions just for funsies. Mm -hmm. It's for the money. Let's face it. And it's just, eh. Yeah. Now, okay, earlier I tried to do a nice little ease into the next one, and you totally blew that off. Oh, no. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Well, I appreciate your effort. Thank you. <laughs> it was completely useless, Jen. Because uh, I had said, speaking of people not holding themselves accountable for their actions. Oh, sure. And you're just like, let's keep talking about this. And I'm like, <laughs> blah, blah, I got more to say, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's all right. You had more to say, and it was a nice little capstone. Now, for those of you that follow Twitch, you may recognize the game called Player Unknown's Battleground, which you said is abbreviated to. We call it in 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 the in the inner circle. We call it PUBG. PUBG. PUBG, right, which is a battleground. Yeah. All, all joking aside, I love this game. Oh, I've never seen yeah. it. It's it's a it's an online only competitive game, so I only really play it on my PC in my office here. Ah, like that's I don't probably play why it I've never seen room. it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but it's also, I mean, you might enjoy watching it because it's just kind of, it's very casual to watch. Like not a lot happens and then a lot happens at once. So it's like okay. very, it's very kind of like, like suspense building. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you've been looking for 20 minutes. You haven't seen a single person. And then all of a sudden you're just getting shot at. Ah, you got to run it high. Is and that then, that one where you start out with like 20 people and then you, you kill each other? It's a hundred people. You start off in oh, an airplane. That's this game. That's this game. Yep. Oh. This is the one that me and Joe finally yes. won our first match playing together. Okay. My brother and I won our first ever battleground uh, PUBG match. Uh, I a understand now. I didn't realize that it was this game. Yep. So from what I understand, let me, let me give you the, the, I don't really play it, but I'm going to try to explain it. Synopsis. <laughs> okay. So you start out with 100 people, and you're all in this um, open area. Well, not open area, but there's there's stuff. There's, like, trees and forests and houses, and it's, it's a battlegrounds. And you try to 
you you can form teams if you if you want. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a pre queuing thing. Mm-hmm. So like you can you can queue up as a team, in 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 and then everyone in the game's in a team. Yes. Or like separate teams, obviously. Or you can play a match where everyone's by themselves. So the object is to be the last person standing or last team standing, and you do that by killing everybody else in the game. And the play area gets progressively smaller and smaller to force people into the same area, which helps the game not go on forever. Exactly. That's what pushes (laughs) the, the progress of the game. And then what is also cool is all equipment items guns are procured on site nice you parachute out of a plane with nothing and the first thing you have to do is find a building and get a gun and then you have to find a backpack find some other stuff and then as soon as you have some weapons you kind of venture out to the area that's designated Mm -hmm. and you try not to die and that's that's the game so here's here's the story that we want to talk about there is a twitch streamer that has about six hundred and fifty thousand followers which is which is a really big deal. It's on respectable it's, it's for very, sure. That's a very big deal. Yeah. His name is Doctor Disrespect. <laughs> he wears a wig, mullet, wraparound sunglasses, and a fake mustache. <laughs> so I gotta say, okay, I I, I love the guy's shtick. Like, I think it's hilarious because he didn't want to put himself on stream. Right. So he just goes up in a ridiculous outfit and he <laughs> plays a character. Yes. I love like that's entertaining to me. Like someone on there being themselves is can be entertaining but most people i think are boring <laughs> so like this person pretending to be a different character i absolutely love it i think it's i think his shtick is i've never watched him but just seeing like his fake mullet and sunglasses like i'll have to listen to him sometime to see how irritating his voice is I, really I feel like he to. puts on an accent but that's just me okay well we'll watch some later now dr disrespect he he does you know this comedic performance as you as you say now he he got popular when he started streaming H1Z1 and he moved on to Battlegrounds recently, which is meant to be, you know, if you're on a team, it's a collaborative sort of thing. And there's a rule. Now, let me see if I can. It's a bannable offense against uh, team kills. The rules read, do not team kill. There's no excuse for a non-accidental team kill. If your teammate is breaking these rules, report them to us instead. It is very important to note non-accidental. Yes. Because I was playing with Joe and two other friends <laughs> one time. And I don't know what it was, but I we were, all four of us were in a building and I... It's the definition of an itchy trigger finger because uh-huh. I walked around a bu- I walked around a staircase <laughs> pew, 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 pew. and I turned a corner and he was right there at the top of the staircase. I was like, oh, and I just pulled the trigger <laughs> in the shotgun and it was one shot and I blasted and oh, killed him. No. And I was like, oh, my, I'm so sorry. He's like, dude, what? I'm, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know why <laughs> I did that. I, I just I saw a guy and my brain just went. Oh no, you're in trouble! Like you and see, I you shot. see enemy. You see yeah. enemy. Yeah, and it was so dumb. Like I can't believe I did that. I felt so bad. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because at um. When you when you go to Quantico, which is the FBI training academy, there's actually an area that's part of your training that is, how do I say this? Uh, it's, they call it Hogan's Alley. That's what it's called. Oh, that's actually an NES game. Is it really? Yeah, there's an NES game called Hogan's Alley. Is it like a training facility that It's they- a light gun shooter. Yeah, it's yep. pretty much the same thing. So what they do is they they have it, it looks kind of like a city. And you walk around and you will come across people and you have to make a snap decision if they're enemy or friend. 
and you shoot the enemies and you leave alone the the friends or like the good people yeah, like the a little friend. kid yeah, yeah. or whatever and it's part of their training um training capacity uh but yeah oh yeah here it is i just looked it up hogan valley uh, a 1984 arcade game and later Nintendo light gun game yep. that simulates a live fire shooting range with pop-up shoot no shoot targets same general idea awesome. so it's kind of like that when you said itchy trigger finger you see somebody and you have very very little time to determine do I shoot this person or not but here's what happened after finding like you said you drop in you don't have anything you've got to find some sort of way to transport yourself and your team you've got to find guns you've got to find shelter to survive this battleground his team a four-person team found a vehicle that only sat three people (laughs) so what did this doctor disrespect do (laughs) (laughs) well what did he do probably what a reasonable person did was they they picked up straws they drew straws. Uh, the short straw just had to get out and Too much find time. a different vehicle. <laughs> so, so what? <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's probably what happened, right? No, nope. So, the one of his squad mates says, "We're gonna go find a car, okay?" And he turns and just shoots him <laughs> point blank, so killing his teammate. It is funny to me, and it feels like a, like that's what would happen in a movie, like like one of those action criminal <laughs> dramas. So, so he just like, oh, there's not enough room in the car for everybody. He looks, he shoots the one guy and goes, our cuts just got bigger. And then they take like the bank money. You know what I mean? Like that's, With the big dollar yeah, signs on the way. Do- yeah, that, that, that's what it reminds but me of. But here's the thing. After the first few bullets, he pauses and then shoots the guy in the head a couple mm. more times. So basically living out his character role of Being a jerk. Which is funny. It reminds me of when I played Friday the 13th. And I, don't know, I think I told you this story, but I was, I was helping someone repair the boat. I think you did. Tell and me uh, and all of a sudden, this other guy comes running up, another player, and we're about to repair the boat and get out of here. Like, like that's we're gonna win. Yeah. Like, we're gonna get out of this game. And uh, so the one guy's repairing the boat. I have the gas. I fill it up with gas. And then the third guy shows up, and this boat's only a two seater. Which, honestly, <laughs> I don't care what's happening. I would have fit a third person in that boat. But just saying. So then the person who just run up knows it's only a two person boat. Knows I just got done filling up the gas and it's ready to go. Other guy starts up the boat. He just boom shoots me in the back with a shotgun <gasps> and kills me. <laughs> And then he gets in the boat and goes. Oh my god! And that's it. Now let me let me pause what we're talking about f- here for a second because when I watched you play Friday the Thirteenth, I mentioned that it was almost an identical gameplay to a board game that we've played, Camp yes. Grizzly with Adam and Ashley. Yes. Has anybody made that connection? <laughs> I don't think so, but that it's almost like they took that game. Yes. And then adapted it into a video game it's it really so does feel strange. that way. I'd, I'd be kind of mad if i was the camp grizzly guys but you know what are you and gonna do i i'm very surprised that nobody's mentioned it and totally i think that the camp grizzly guys need to like sue those people the, because the, camp grizzly is amazing but then again they're treading they're treading lightly on the whole friday the 13th at a camp and well, uh, having a lake i mean it's it's it sucks but i'm sure they don't want to rock the boat you sure know, just let us exist and you can exist now okay so going back to this he shoots the guy dead. He shoots the guy dead. And he gets get, banned. He gets banned for it because, hey, it's against the rules. And he was a little up in arms saying, you know, hey, I'm in the middle of a streak. You can't you can't just ban me or whatever. And he had some pretty strong opinions. But somebody else who had some strong opinions was actually Player Unknown. Right. Who is the creator of the game. So so he's kind of, you know, complaining about it on Twitter. Uh, but again, I think he was complaining about it in character. 
Sure. You know, I'm sure he was irritated because if you have 650,000 Twitch followers and you're getting 10,000 viewers a day, you don't want to be interrupted from a game that you're mostly playing because people right. watch you play this game on purpose. Mm-hmm. So to get banned, uh, even if a temporary one, that's a big deal. But here's the funny thing. He has 650,000 subscribers, but only 10,000 people watch 10, him. 10,000 at one time. Um, so there's always people cycling in and out. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Um, but uh, yeah, so... So then he, you know, he's making quips here and there in character on Twitter and player unknown shows up, which is interesting because, you know, normally if it was a regular player, he probably wouldn't. But since this guy's got a lot of followers, mm-hmm. he wants to kind of come in and it looks like he's kind of, you know, joking with it too. So player unknown comes in with the South Park meme and says, <laughs> if you break the rules, no matter who you are, you're going to have a bad time. You're going to have From a bad time. pizza french fries episode of south park oh, the, the, where, skiing where, yeah, episode. the skiing episode where he's trying to like he's like okay if you pizza when you're supposed to french fry you're gonna have a bad time so that that's what the, that's what player unknown tweets out then dr disrespect in character presumably says i'll break the rules anytime anywhere i go and look good doing it oh, i love geez. it i love that that's a great response that's you know just this is this is a really fun exchange to me and then player unknown follows up with in my house you follow the rules or you gtfo and they does a little heart symbol right so he knows it's like a playful banter back and forth sure. that's what i get when i read this so then apparently later uh dr specs keeping up the gag and he says something about uh he threatened to roundhouse kick developer player unknown in the neck Oh, that's what he that's, said. That's the what neck? he said. He, he roundhouse him in the neck, which sounds like some. Okay, like when I look at the, what this guy looks like, he looks like an '80s action hero, like a bad '80s action hero. He kind of looks like Borat to me. And Borat <laughs> mixed together, and and that would be something that he would say. I'll roundhouse you in the neck. You know. Okay, it it's like if Borat and Hulk Hogan had a baby, mm. it'd be that guy. Ooh, okay. Without the corn silk hair, because mm. okay, that without, hair looks without the soft. coffee grounds glued to his beard. Well, I was talking more about Hulk Hogan has yeah. this really shiny hair. Well, I always talk about him having because when he uses his, when he grows out his beard, it's really dark. Oh, so it, to me, it always looked like he rubbed a glue stick on his face and then <laughs> spackled <laughs> coffee grounds on his face, like just <laughs> like he was powder rooming. But, but he with, smells yeah. really good then. If it, yes, he would. Oh, he does. Oh, he does. So uh, anyway, so, so he back. said that right. So so he says that, and. I mean, that's what he said. And he might have said more. I don't have anything else. But he said it also apparently he threatened to kick Player Known's various body parts, mm-hmm. provoking Player Known to divulge a, f- a few personal views on violence. So then all of a sudden, I'm what I'm assuming is the Player Unknown. Triggered. It, he, he got triggered. And all of a sudden he's really upset and goes, suggesting violence is the best way to solve a disagreement is just wrong, even if you're playing a character. And so he like quotes the tweet from Dr. Disrespect. So then all of a sudden he goes into this huge message about how even the threat of violence is not something that should be joked about. All I ask from anyone that reads this is to consider that your words, however flippant they may be, could be unintended effects on those reading them. He then divulged a story about when he was in college many years ago. He had uh-huh. a disagreement with a flatmate. And instead of talking it out like men, he decided to get aggressive. And while I was backing away from him, he kicked me in the chest and Yikes. put my head through a plate glass door. Thankfully, I didn't suffer any ill effects due to this experience. Now, I don't think that that's nothing to joke about. I mean, right. that's that is a serious thing that happened to him and that sucks. And I don't think violence is ever the answer. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much a pacifist when it comes to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yet, Greg, tell me, what is the premise of, un, of you know, Battlegrounds? Well, in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, uh, <laughs> it is a murder simulator <laughs> where you're thrown onto an island with 100 other people and you have to be the last person surviving. 
So to me, it just seems a little bit of a dichotomy here where, okay, you're, you're promoting nonviolence or violence isn't the answer. Don't joke about violence. And yet you create this game where it's nothing but people killing each other. Right. So, <sighs> I mean, and obviously that's a game. He's talking about violence in real life. Sure. But there is something to be said when you, you create a game that's very violent and then you talk about anti-violent tendencies. Yes. It seems odd to me that, so that you're strange. that at end, you know, that you're so at, at ends with it. And, and obviously I agree. You can, you can intelligently solve things with words mm-hmm. and, and kind actions. You don't have to fight. Like there's really never a reason to fight, but I still feel like this was all in character as a joke. And for some reason, for some reason, I don't, I don't know. You know how it goes. Sometimes you're just in a bad mood or you're in a funky mood. Maybe you're feeling a little bit down about something. And then someone says the wrong thing and you reply back. And it just seemed like player known instantly got super serious mm-hmm. about what was clearly not that big a deal. Now, right. should should um, the doctor have been uh, banned? Yes. And he did. Was he kind of, and, and really that Twitter going back and forth, that probably helped both of them because it bo- made them both look like cool, funny people. Sure. And then all of a sudden one person, well, now I'm offended, so I have to tell you why I'm offended and blah, blah. It almost, I'm not really big on this whole like like snowflake thing and, and, and everyone, you know, if you complain about something, you're a snowflake. And if you don't like something, you can't be offended, blah, blah. It's, it's not like that, but I feel like he's oversensitive on this one. And I, and I just don't know what triggered him to all of a sudden go into serious mode. Well, and that's like, like I said, it's not anything to joke about what happened to him. And I think that there could have been actual, he says that he didn't suffer any ill effects due to this experience, but clearly it did. Because if he didn't hold that, hold on to that or keep that in the back of his head, that this wouldn't have come up. And so maybe not physical ill effects, but definitely something cerebral or something mental about it. Because having that sort of reaction is very unusual. And it's just it's just surprising to me that somebody who would talk about how violence doesn't solve anything. Now, he didn't use those words specifically, but did say, you know, violence is not something that should be joked about. But then to create this game where it be and it's a game like you're right. making killing a bunch of people in a game, a game like to me, it's just it's so it's so against what he's saying in real life. It just, yeah. I have a hard time kind of coming to terms with these two things where you've got this super violent game where you're, you know, blasting people's heads off. Is there fake blood in that game? Yeah, there's blood splats so and stuff. Yeah. Sure. That is a triggering sort of thing for people too, because it, it's violent. It, it shows people getting killed in, in blood and gore and all of that. And then you've got somebody who's like, well, you can't joke about it because I had this traumatic experience. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I have, I'm having a hard time with yeah. it. I just think it's, it's a little hypocritical, I guess, you know, just to, to say it lightly. But again, you know, he's allowed to feel that way, I guess. And he made the game and it's whatever. But I just, I just, that's what I was kind of surprised about. Because at first I was like, man, this guy is threatening people. He should be taken down. But then I look at it. It's all in jest, clearly. He's in character having fun with it. You know, you have to be careful because I'm not saying that, like, he shouldn't have banned him. He should have. But this is also somebody who's helping get your game a ton of exposure. Sure. And so you have to be a little bit respectful of that and just say, hey, he's playing a character. He's having fun with it. Let me roll with it. Which it seemed like he did for a little while. But then all of a sudden it's almost like, yeah, like these bad memories somehow flooded mm-hmm. back when he talked about a roundhouse kick 
to the neck. It all of a sudden brought back like it's almost post traumatic yeah. stress. Oh. And like I said, it's it's nothing to joke about. And I'm not downplaying his experience at all. But it's just the direct conflict between his experience and creating this game doesn't make sense for me. It's just I don't know. I I have a lot of similes that I could use that are not appropriate and I just I just I'm having trouble with it because mm-hmm. of because of it because I think that everybody's allowed you know there's always a line in the sand and once somebody crosses it you know that that's yeah. when things well, go bad and he did engage him you know like if if, if you're gonna engage right. him you can't like and you engaged his character in a joking way it's it's like I'm not saying that the that uh, the doctor shouldn't like you know, apologize to him to be like, Hey man, didn't mean it that way. Obviously I was in character. Hope all is well with you. You know, don't take Mm -hmm. it too seriously because, but I always get like frustrated when people get like upset about, or they're joking around and then they can't take a joke back, Mm -hmm. you know, or like they're always, that always bothers me because it's like, if you're going to joke around, you want to make it a fun jokey thing. What other people might think is a joke, even if you don't, it doesn't mean that it wasn't still meant as a joke. Like you have to look at the, at what was implied, you know, and what the, what the, angle of it was you can't just always assume that all of a sudden he was talking about you know like as soon as it goes to violence oh well, now i'm not mad now now it's not funny anymore because yeah, it's not funny to know. you it's not funny at all anymore. but i think everybody has like i said it has that line in the sand and everybody has a right to express their well okay let's let's take a step back here because this is bringing up some really bad memories mm-hmm. for me now do i think it kind of escalated rather quickly yeah, but it feels like to me he needs to talk to somebody in a professional setting about this because obviously this is not this is an unresolved it's issue something for him. So bothered him, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The fact that he had such a huge reaction to it tells me that, yeah, okay, he says he doesn't have any ill effects, but it's obvious that it's not resolved. Right. Oh in yeah, his head. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I hope he gets the help that he needs yeah. because it's it was a joke clearly from a character, you know. It's something that, well, and he seems like, Dr. Disrespect seems like the kind of guy that would never apologize for this. Now, I'm not saying that the person that he is when he takes off the mullet and sunglasses hasn't contacted him separately and apologized. Right. But it's, did you ever see Andy Kaufman do uh, any sort of... Interviews. I'm familiar with some of his stuff, yeah. He takes it and he does not let it go. He never admits that he's doing the long con. Yeah. The sh- like when yeah. he wanted to be a professional wrestler, mm-hmm. it, it was the long con. He never, to my knowledge, I don't think, ever admitted that he was just joking. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then what's really funny is that fuels all these rumors now that he's not dead. Oh, sure. And there's people who just like, well, maybe he's... Not us. I mean, it's just, you know, whatever. But let me tell you, Jen, you know what also bothers me a lot? What's that? People using DMCA takedowns as a weapon against people they don't like. <laughs> That's incredibly frustrating to me. Nice segue. Thank you. Thank you. So the DMCA is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act mm-hmm. of 1998. Yes. And what it was designed to do was say someone steals your material that you've created you yes. can file a dmca claim and they have to remove it until it gets worked out that yeah and now this is 98 so it was internet uh it was internet focus so like say mm-hmm. someone puts up your music without your permission uh you can say hey that's my music and then they'll take it down sure. and then you're allowed to figure it out monetarily speaking whatever so it's still going strong these days and unfortunately in the new age of youtube we've seen 
some companies use it incorrectly. One, an old friend of the show, we've talked about many times, probably the most famous one you'll recognize would be, we talk about Digital Homicide. Yeah, oh, yes. The, the, the guys made that really awful game and they got in that fight mm-hmm. with Jim Sterling. They were using DMCA takedowns against Jim Sterling to get him to take down reviews of his games that they did not like. They're like, you said that our game sucked. Yeah. Take down your they, video. They essentially weaponized the DMCA, yes. which, which, which is... It Should makes sense it, why people do it because it's an easy way to stop the problem. Right. And a lot of people, if they're smaller YouTubers, what are they going to do? Fight back against it? YouTube has like an automated system for all that stuff. And if you don't have a lot of like cred to back it up. Mm-hmm. So Sega also did this a couple years ago. They were taking down a bunch of videos like around Shining Force 3 and some other weird stuff. Like it was really strange, but Sega was just doing copyright strikes against YouTubers playing their games. Hmm. Really weird stuff. Makes no sense. Never really heard resolution on that either. Um, now the story today we want to talk about Yes. Is actually from a composer, uh, and her name is Alex Maurer. I have to tell you, I listened to a little bit of her soundtrack for Star Mazer. It's really good. So she's super talented. I I would say she's incredibly talented. If she did that song, which it says she did, Mm -hmm. and I was listening to it, it is incredible mix between 80s and chip tunes. And that, to me, strikes a hell of a nice chord. Well, because she worked on the soundtrack for River City Ransom. Which I've played. I kickstarted, and I really, really enjoyed. Oh, excuse me. River City Ransom Underground. Underground, Underground. yep. Which Which, is the new one, yep. Yes. And she told Kotaku... That she worked on that soundtrack with two collaborators, uh, someone named Rich Vreeland and Dino Leonetti. But Vreeland's a, a a pretty big deal. Like he he's he's big in the music scene too. But she claims that she was cut out of the deal. Right, and that that her work is still in the game, even though she got cut out, and that Conatus uh, Conatus I, I can think never pronounce. Co- I think it's Conatus Conatus. I don't know. That's a hard word for me to pronounce. Uh, the development studio does not own the rights to it. The problem is that they haven't gotten my permission, she said. They can easily get my permission, but they need to be transparent with me about whatever deal they made regarding the music. Uh, she has since said that there is no documentation proving that she made this arrangement with Conatus, but that the lack of a contract is kind of my whole argument. So she's saying that there is no contract. Mm-hmm. So the founder and a producer at <laughs> Conatus? Let's just say Conatus. I'm going to say Conatus. At Kanata's Creative says that Maurer's claims about the music in the game violating her violating her copyright are false. She's a co-creator of the music with uh, Dino Leonetti and Rich Vreeland. Our written license agreement is with Rich, who subcontracted Alex and Dino. Mm-hmm. He wrote, when Rich offered to pay Alex an equal share of the music fee for her contribution to the soundtrack, she emailed back, "Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm all I'm all for it. Thanks." Rich has shown us the documentation that Alex was paid in full. So it sounds like, when we were talking about this before, she entered in some sort of work-for-hire contract. And for those that aren't familiar with a work-for-hire contract or some some sort of um, contractual agreement, work-for-hire, work-made-for-hire, according to the copyright law in the U.S., a certain... uh, if a work is made for hire, the employer, the person who is commissioning that work, not the person who did the work, not the employee, is considered the legal author. Mm-hmm. So from their perspective, she was contracted out with this person named Dino Leonetti, but Rich actually had the actual contract and they were subcontracted. Right. Well, and apparently... Um Conatus is saying that their lawyers have told them flat out there's no legal basis for her claims. She'll mm-hmm. never win. There's no contract saying she's owed any money, nothing. However, they've still decided to commission a whole new soundtrack for the game. Which, 
<sighs> which is frustrating to me because one, the soundtrack's very good. Mm-hmm. And two, they have to pay all that money. And they're an indie studio. They're trying to get this game off the ground. They're trying to, you know, make it. And they have to do this. And I also don't like that what happens when you file that DMCA was that game got taken off of Steam. That game was not available for sale for an, a certain amount of time until it got put oh, back up. Geez. So she's basically costing them all this money oh, right. because she feels she was cheated. Now, there's no documentation that like all the proof leads to that she's not correct in her assumptions. Now, here's we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. And I feel like even if all things were 100% true that she said and she was 100% in the right, unfortunately, you take your lumps Mm-hmm. And you go to the next job and you make sure you ironclad lock up that contract for the next job. You don't set the bridge aflame and burn yourself in the village. Like, like that's clearly what she's, she's just committing like complete career suicide at this point. Yeah. Like, like no one's ever going to hire her again, knowing how she acts with this stuff. Or if they do, they're going to, they're just going to stick it with these ridiculous ironclad contracts mm-hmm. and she's going to get boned in the long run anyway. She, it just sounds like to me, I mean, she's an artist that doesn't make her a lawyer. It doesn't make her somebody who's able to work on contracts. What I think she needs to do, if she hasn't done it already, and why she didn't do it in this instance, is work with a law firm and say, look, I'm a freelance artist. I do music. I do soundtracks. I need two contracts. I need a contract where I'm the sole person working on that soundtrack, and I need a subcontract contract contract where I'm doing kind of work for hire or something. She needs to work with a law firm and get a set of contracts that she can use that has the terms that she agrees to so that she doesn't have this situation again. Because I mean, I do freelance work. I've done freelance work in the past and I've gotten burned. I've gotten to the point where people are using my work when we didn't agree to that, but I didn't have it in writing. So what yeah. What could I have done? I couldn't have done anything. All you about can do it. is learn from it and move on. Right. And now, if this was a one-time thing, okay, I understand she's upset, and sometimes in anger you do things, and you feel like you're being taken advantage of. You want to fight the fight, fight the good fight. However, this is not the first time this has happened. No. This is the second big one that she's done, as far as games are concerned. So she worked for a company called Imagos, uh, or Imagos. I'm gonna say Imagos because it just sounds better. And <laughs> she she worked there on a game called star mazer mm-hmm. and she did the soundtrack for that very happy everyone's happy um well she's recently had a contra uh, a, a lawsuit filed because they're making a, a like an upgraded version called star mazer dsp and they're using the same music and she's claiming that they never got her permission to use her music in their new game however in the free use uh in the uh in the clause that she signed which is well, what was it called the four hire clause Yes. In the four hire clause, it says that they own the rights to the music and subsequent use of that music in not in new games, but in like iterations of the same game. This is considered an iteration. So she's going to lose when it comes to that, too. But this story got a little bit more interesting because uh, Imago Imagos is disputing the characterization because they've written in court filings mm-hmm. that suddenly um, that uh, she had asked for time off because of medical issues and then chose to leave the team. So she actually left. Then suddenly she became demanding. Now this is from the Imagos um, like official court claims. Alex claimed that she wasn't paid and that she had rights to Starmazer and other of the plaintiff's work. So she's saying that she owned the rights to her music that they used even though she didn't because she was a four-hire contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm reading about this and it says... Uh, 
Imago's director John, uh, Don Thacker tried to resolve the matter, making several offers to Alex. Alex didn't seem interested in any resolution whatsoever. Alex was a contributor to a larger audiovisual work under written contract and with an express work for hire clause. Um, so, uh, and and of course, because it's the internet, Maurer got a bunch of harassment of from course. internet forums detailing every move and sending nasty messages. Uh, but Imagos now has started suing her, and they actually went to a Pennsylvania judge and got a temporary restraining order so that Maurer can no longer file more DMCA claims <laughs> against that game because it was the same thing. And these guys actually had a publisher lined up that dropped them because of the lawsuit issues. But I mean, a, she's just like like a, on a warpath. She's just destroying everything in her way. This is what I don't understand. The This is a quote. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. This is what she said. The problem is, is that Imagos did so much of their business with me without signing any contracts. And they managed to create a situation where they owe, owe me a large amount of money. Why, on God's green earth, as a person who does freelance work, not sign anything? Now, I'm not saying that this is her fault, but the fact that you didn't sign any contracts and then are going back and saying, you owe me all this money, how do you prove it? Right. You can't prove it. And, and there comes a time where you have to eat that. But they even say that they paid her. And then, like, like listening to all the stuff that they tried to do, I feel like Imagos went to every every end of the earth to try to get this thing worked right. out. And she wanted she wanted them to not be able to. So then, not not only is that not enough, so she's, so she's had to stop that. So she does it against River City Ransom. She does it against Star Mazer. So now she, uh, and this was according to, I read a YouTuber's blog. He's a big YouTuber. I, unfortunately, I could not find the article again after I read it earlier this week. But he says he got an email from her that said, hey, you stream this game or you made YouTube videos about this game. If you don't make a video talking about my side of the story and how I'm owed this stuff, I'm going to send a DMCA against your videos on YouTube. So now she started attacking YouTubers and she got YouTubers videos pulled down. So it's like, again, my whole issue with this is using that DMCA as a weapon because you it's meant to protect people legitimacy legitimately and when you use that as a weapon mm -hmm. you're going to start abusing it and then it's going to change and it's going to change not for the better of the people who need it that's for sure so all this stuff's going on uh she's been doing it with youtubers and then there was an update a couple days ago uh several people pointed to a message from imagos's lawyer named leonard french claiming that Maurer had sent him death threats. Oh, In this Kotaku article, they reached out to Maurer about this, and she confirmed that it was true. Oh, my God. Career suicide. She, she said that she had been receiving her own set of death threats in the wake of claims by French and other YouTubers, which she reported to the police. The police told me it was okay for these people to make death threats to me because of freedom of speech. She sent a private Twitter message, so my immediate response was to issue death threats to the people who started the defamation crusade against me. So she's playing the Uber victim card at this point. Like, in her head, she's done nothing wrong. And that's incredibly offensive to me. Um, I well, don't know. I'm looking at her Twitter, and apparently she's only been on Twitter since July 16th. And here's something from July 17th that's at Alex Maurer Music. I told Jonathan Holmes to just take the article down completely. Then I cursed a bunch and blocked him. Heart emoji. Yep. What? It, it sounds like someone who's legitimately legitimately having some mental issues. She and I'm not going to joke about that. She needs to get help. Yeah, she seems like somebody who's on edge and who is having some problems and needs to get some things figured out. She needs someone to talk to. She needs help. Um, but of 
but that doesn't excuse what she's done and doesn't make it okay. And then also, now what I've seen, I just read another update, she started issuing DMC takedowns to Twitch to try to get people who are streaming the games to not be able to switch oh anymore gosh. and to YouTube. It's it's ridiculous. So any videos with River City Ransom Underground on Twitch are taken down at the moment until they figure it out. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. And, and again, even if she was 100% right in all of this, you're 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 burning down everything what what, yes. did, what did my mom used to say uh you're cutting off your nose to spite your face yes yep. right so you're like you just you don't realize what you're doing to I yourself just, I, and it makes me really sad because maybe one day she will get the help she needs and then realize what a mistake she made but here's how i feel talented people will always find a home talented mm-hmm. people will always if she's this talented music like i think she is based on her music um then I think she will find a place. She will always find work. But man, it, you could find more work and you could maybe get hired by a big studio. I mean, you could make more money, if, if you, but you have to play the game. Even if you're 100% right, you have to play the game. No, and here's what's interesting too. Apparently she is chatting with somebody called the Musical Antihero, which is at the music, a- at the M-U-S-I-A-H. And it, it's complete there's no context to this conversation so she said so what's the deal we're secretly friends and we fight publicly to get you more views and then i'm assuming his response is professional courtesy mostly don't get me wrong i think what you've done is absolutely egregious but i baseline respect your work as a musician a creator and a human being behooves me to be of better character you know generally being polite to people it's a thing her response you're creeping me out and she blocked him Mm. it's like i mean seriously professional help yep Yep. it's you know it's just there's something going on and again just be a be a good enough person to admit that you need that kind of help because if you if you can't or you won't see it about yourself, it's just going to keep spiraling down. She's not going to be able to get any work. And when that happens, she's not going to have anything left. She's going to burn all those bridges behind her. Yep. And nobody's going to trust her. Yeah, and, and people just don't want to work with people like that, unfortunately. And there are a lot of people who are talented music creators. And I, I mean, not that, you know, art is a competitive business because you're it's all about your personal talent, but you're competing with other people that are just as hungry and Mm -hmm. they're going to find someone else to do it. And they're going to find somebody just as talented. Uh, Apparently she's also saying DMCA takedown notices to Turner broadcasting. Uh, So she's just going, she's just shooting for the moon on this one. Uh, Let's see. She sent DMC takedowns to videos of death road to Canada. Apparently she worked on some of the music for that, which I actually did a first 30 on that. So I didn't get one, but I'm not big enough to get one probably. Uh, and there was a live quaction trailer for a duck game, which is a new game recently came out, uh, including the original trailer. Um, she's going after adult swim games. Um, she sent a cease and desist letter to Turner broadcasting, the parent company that owns adult swim games and who publishes including duck game. So anyway, um, I really do hope, she gets the help she needs but it's frustrating when people use use the dmca as a weapon because it's meant to protect people not meant to hurt other people it's a shield not a not a sword right i don't know it's frustrating but anyway um 
What my, a downer. Yeah, that's that's a bad way. So that's why we're going to end the show with our game recommendations of the week. <laughs> so we don't have to get so down and down and deep. Uh, so this week, I'm looking at my NES games over here. What should I pick this week? <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick Blaster Master. Um, okay. So Blaster Master is a regular Nintendo game uh, made by Sunsoft. And the game's incredible. It, it plays, in the beginning, it feels like a side-scrolling platformer, like a Mario-type game. But as you start to get into it, it really turns into more of a Metroid game. You can you can go to certain areas, but you can't get to certain areas without a certain ability that you have to beat a boss to get that ability. Uh, you're inside of like a like a so imagine Metroid, but you're in like a uh, like a truck, like a truck with a cannon on it, mm-hmm. and you can actually get out of the truck as a little dude and walk around. So there's this also this mini game, and when you go into the big rooms as your little dude, you actually have like a top down uh, real time battle system. So very cool stuff. Uh, its soundtrack is incredible. I listen to it at the store all the time. Uh, visually, it's just awesome for NES. It has a touching story of a, of a boy whose frog runs away. Oh! So you follow him into this cave and you find this truck, and then you follow him, and unfortunately, your frog has become mutated. Oh! And he's a bad guy. Well, what a downer! Um. So you have to, you have to, you know, bring the justice to him. But uh, anyway, it is a very, very good game. Highly recommended. Killer music, good controls. It is super hard, too. So if you don't like hard games, you won't like it. <laughs> but that's my recommendation of the week. Jen? Um, I'm going to go Nintendo DS. Really? Okay. And Professor Layton and the Curious Village. Nice. I love <laughs> Professor Layton. Uh, it's essentially, it's a, it's a puzzle game. There's some adventure in there, but... You're pretty much, uh, it centers around Professor Layton and his apprentice. I think his name is Luke. But you're investigating this um, this village and you're solving riddles along the way. And when you uh, solve a riddle, you get farther into the storyline. And it's it's just a lot of fun. It's a fun playthrough. There's actually several Professor Layton games. This was the first one that I played. And I very much enjoyed it. So if you like somewhat difficult puzzles or brain teasers, kind of logic puzzles, essentially, uh, I would suggest Professor Layton, any of the Professor Laytons. And there are tons of them in that game, too. Like there's just like it's like three or four hundred, isn't there? Like these little Uh, brain teasers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there is some sort of downloadable content, I think. I don't know if they still do it, but it was something like every week there was a new puzzle. I can't recall. Um, I could be I could be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure that there there is. And it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's about eight. And actually, the the one that the most recent one was for the Nintendo 3DS. Oh, it was actually just released. Uh, Friday. Worldwide. Nice, nice, Professor nice. Professor Layton's Mysterious Journey. Cottrell and the Millionaire's Conspiracy. Hmm. So that one just came out. So, well-timed, Jen. Good, good gerb. Uh, all right, everybody, uh, as always, we appreciate you listening. Thanks for uh, taking this journey with us this week. And um, you can always, as always, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Game Trade Greg. That's two Gs at the end. 
I'm at Game Talk Jen with one N and at the end. And feel free to message us and, and email us questions. Uh, Please ask can, us questions. Yes, yeah, Quinn, we'd love to share them on here. You can leave comments on the YouTube or on the SoundCloud of our previous uh, podcast, and we'll answer those questions too. If you guys want to interact with the show, we'd love to have you. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening, and have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.